For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Welcome to the first episode of the Believe in UCLA podcast. My name is Sam Conan. I am the publisher and managing editor at All Bruins with the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. And I'm joined by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Excited about some, some new beginnings with our show, man. Yeah, that's great. So uh, like I said, first episode, Travis and I are going to be talking a lot of UCLA men's basketball today, but we'll be getting into other things as the year goes on as we get ramped up. But today we're just going to start off with UCLA men's basketball talk. But before we get into that, uh, Travis, why don't you give yourself a little intro and then I'll talk a little bit about my my experience as well, too. So it's all you, Travis. All right. No problem. No problem, Sam. Uh, pretty much uh, I went to UCLA from uh, 98 to, to, to 2000. I was part of the number one recruiting class in the country, uh, UCLA, with the likes of Baron Davis, Earl Watson, uh, uh, Rico Hines, Billy Knight, uh, Ty Ramazar. And then the next year, the number one recruiting class came in. Uh, Matt Barnes, uh, Jerome Weasel, Dan Gadzirik, uh, Ray Young. So, yeah, I played there for two years, then transferred. But always and, and always have and always will be UCLA uh, fan and love UCLA forever. Of course. Uh, yeah. good, good to hear. Good to know. Uh, you definitely have your, your UCLA experience. It, it's, uh, you got the roots for sure. Um, so like I said, uh, I am currently the managing editor and publisher at uh, All Bruins for Sports Illustrated. Uh, but I was I just graduated from UCLA this past spring. Uh, I was the sports editor for the Daily Bruin there. I covered UCLA football, UCLA men's basketball, baseball, women's basketball, everything over there. Um, so I'm, I'm just maybe a little bit later down the line than you, Travis, but uh, also very, very well ingrained in everything in Westwood. So I respect that. Like I said, you know, for me, I had UCLA stuff. I had my, my former teammates because I played professional basketball overseas. I had them loving UCLA. I had to watch UCLA even after I left always because it's, you know, I, I'm a diehard Bruin at, at, you know, at heart. 
Of course, it's a uh, it's infectious. It's a big big fan base and everything. Can't be, blame you at all. So uh, <laughs> let's let's get right into it. So we're recording this on Thursday, October fourteenth, and just yesterday was Pac twelve Media Day. We got our first real look at Coach McCronin, Jaime Hawkins mm-hmm. Jr., Johnny Juzang. They went up to San Francisco to talk about the season ahead and also the season that just wrapped up a couple months ago. Obviously, a really really interesting end there. So we'll get into all that, but. I mean, just hearing from, from Coach Cronin uh, was nice. I mean, I, I talked to him at, at an open media practice last week, but this was really the first time he took center stage. Same with Johnny, same with Jaime. So, Travis, he, hearing what they've had to say recently based on what happened last year and, and, and how things – I mean, everyone's back. Every, yeah, Chris Smith leave, but he, he wasn't part of that Final Four run on the court. So you really have the whole group back that went to the final four and lost mm-hmm. to Gonzaga on that buzzer beater with all of that being said, what are your expectations from this year? And what are your, your big takeaways, your big questions heading into the season? Uh, pretty much. I expect, you know, greatness from them, to be honest, once the, the Zuzan came back, uh, I was like, okay, you know, when he came back, I thought like, okay, this team could really go far. I thought they can go, you know, before he came back, maybe he, Sweet 16, maybe if they get a break, Elite 8-ish. But I think with him now and back in the fold, I think that uh, they can go Final Four, um, maybe even win a national championship. Because I don't think there's any – and this is just my opinion – I don't think there's any dominant, quote-unquote, dominant teams out there. I think everybody had some turnover. I think UCLA uh, probably was one of the big teams that didn't have a lot of turnover. They had some, like you said, losing Chris. Um, but I really think that um, – you know, they can go really far this year. I think UCLA's back. You know, it's been the first time in a little while, so everybody's really excited. Um, the questions I would have for this team is just to not to read the press, uh, the press clippings, like how good they are, how good they finished, how good they, you know, they could be. Uh, California, uh, UCLA is a huge brand, but also has a huge following. And also have, you know, a lot of reporters, a lot of things that you have to deal with. So you have to stay grounded, you know. Um, it's not like where it's uh, K- Kentucky or North Carolina, where it's nothing but the school. Uh, California has a lot of temptation. They just, they just need to stay focusing on the grind. And I think they'll do. I think they will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, let alone how good they are on the court, how good they were last March. It just seems like a generally pretty good group of guys. They all, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it happens when, when you're in a pandemic and they can really only be with each other. But I think that uh, it was good for their chemistry. You can tell the way they talk about each other, about their teammates. They just really enjoyed only hanging out with each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. I mean, as the, the pandemic and vaccines and everything, they can go out and do a little more stuff in, in LA, live that LA lifestyle, but <laughs> <laughs> that that's up to them. But at the same time, having that experience being, pretty much locked in the practice facilities, locked in their apartments with their teammates for all last year. Mm-hmm. These guys know each other better than anyone in the country. They have more mm-hmm. continuity than anyone in the country. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. that adding up, you have to expect big things from this team. No, I definitely agree. Like I said, out of the the power schools, your Gonzagas, your Dukes, your North Carolinas, your Kentuckys, UCLA is uh, you know one of the, that had the least transition of players and not a lot left. A lot, obviously, every, mostly all their players stayed. I think that gives them an advantage. 
because they're, you know, like juniors, sophomores, you know, they're a little bit older team. And uh, I think that only can help. I mean, look at Baylor last year. Baylor was a, you know, junior, senior, latent team, and they had played together for a while. So it brought camaraderie. And that's the, basically the thing about it now. UCLA has that camaraderie. Everybody kind of knows what everybody's doing. Um, and they can help the freshmen kind of be up to speed. Now, don't get me wrong, they have some some new players in, some freshmen, some transfers. But I think, uh, you know, uh, Coach Cronin will definitely get them ready to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you're talking about other teams with turnover. I mean, Gonzaga, for as much as a, of a force they were last year, UCLA almost beat them. If it weren't for a half-court bank shot, they win that game. And then Gonzaga loses uh, Corey Kispert. They lose uh, Joel Ajayi. They lose uh, Jalen Suggs, obviously, who hit the shot. So as good as they are going to be with Chet Holmgren coming in and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and with Drew Timmy, I mean, they're not the dominant power anymore. Baylor just won the national title. They don't have Mitchell anymore. Uh, just look across the Pac-12. UCLA brings back more talent than anyone. They mm-hmm, maybe had mm-hmm. more talent than anyone last year to begin mm-hmm, with. So mm-hmm. just looking at the landscape, it's it's so hard to predict a national champion before the year just because March Madness is so wild. It's so in the moment. But, I mean, this team really in the regular season looks like a team that can break 30 wins, win the Pac-12 and all that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see any team in the Pac-12 that's going to be on UCLA's level, to be honest. I think uh, SC losing uh, the uh, to twin, the twin to the pros, the number three pick, uh, that hurts them, um, especially inside. I think SC will have talent, but, I'll, you know, they'll, I think they'll be sporadic. You know, they'll win some games they, they, they supposed to, don't supposed to win, and they'll lose some games they don't supposed to lose. Uh I think UCLA from top to bottom, like I said, is the class of the Pac-12. Um, and I think they're the class of the country, to be honest. They have some early big games, you know, where they play Gonzaga, they play, you know, Villanova, they play, uh, you know, they play some good teams, you know, North Carolina, I believe. So we'll see uh, where they're at early, but I, I believe in this team, they'll be better later. It seems like UCLA always gets better later under the coach. Yeah, and that that's kind of the crazy thing because you do with the Mick Cronin leading the way. The last two years they have gotten better as the season gone on. Mm-hmm, so you expect mm-hmm. the same thing this year. But the funny thing is, is that they're not going to be starting at square one. They're with everyone coming back with the momentum they had last year with the, just the lineup the starting five being pretty much the same. Mm-hmm, you kind of mm-hmm. start at an advantage, and if you go from there and you know you're going to grow, I mean. That's that's part of the reason why this team has such high expectations. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I haven't been this excited for a team uh, probably since the 08 team, or was it 08 or nine? One with Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook, yeah. and, you know, you know, all of those guys, Josh Ship, like that. They was coming off a of final four, and they got the like number one player in the country, Kevin Love, coming in. I was excited for that team. That team had me off off my seat. You know, a lot of times Russell Westbrook and Love and everything. So, yeah, I haven't really been excited for a team since that team. So I'm really excited for this team. Yeah, that's it's kind of maybe fun to draw a little parallel between this team and that team, because that team just gone to the final four back to back years. And Mm -hmm. they had guys like uh, like you're talking about with Josh Shipp and with Darren Collison and and those veterans who had been there and were coming back. Uh, And then you just go ahead and add Kevin Love to it this year. I mean, 
Peyton Watson's not Kevin Love, but <laughs> you add a five-star guy to to a group that has Final Four experience, that has experience mm-hmm, in March, mm-hmm. that's deep. That that's the crazy thing about this team. So I, who knows how Peyton Watson fits in if he's going to be starting six man, if he has to work his way up through the lineup, but adding that kind of premier young talent to such a veteran group is just kind of a luxury. It's crazy. Oh, no, it's it's always funny, especially in college. It's never like in NFL or NBA where, like, the best player goes to the worst team. Mm -hmm. You know, if you notice, if you win, you'll get better players. And the more you win, the better players come. (laughs) You know, so it's just a revolving door where you get just more and more come, like an Alabama football uh, where you just kind of churn them out, churn them out, churn them out. And UCLA is, is starting to get those high talent, you know, high, high name players, uh, not the three star guys. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with three star guys, but they're starting to get the four or five star players to go with the way Nick Corona coaches is going to be something special, I think. Yeah, definitely. And right before we move on to the next segment here, talking about the team, I just want to bring up this one thing. We talk about how experienced they are. The depth of this team is just crazy because you bring back the whole starting five from from last year. Mm-hmm. Who knows how it shakes out uh, with, with who gets the starting job this year, but maybe Watson starts over Jules Bernard. So Bernard can play more bench point guard minutes, whatever it is, mm-hmm. just looking mm-hmm. at the bench five, the first five off the bench for this team. You mm-hmm. know, let's say you got Jules Bernard at point, you get David Singleton at shooting guard. You got Jalen Clark. You have Miles Johnson coming in from Rutgers. Who's one of the best defensive players in the big 10 last year. Mm-hmm. And, and then you mm-hmm. have Jake Kyman, you have Mac Etienne. Uh, that you have Kenny Luba. That's seven guys who that that might be a, the, the top seven on another team in the Pac-12. <laughs> let alone like a like a group of five team or mid-major. That's a a, a power five, a high major top seven right there. It's an embarrassment of riches that he has this year. I think that he has a a slew of talent, right? And he has a slew of experience. You don't really get the mix of both. You usually get one or the other. And so for him to have all these guys and they all played uh, at high levels, you know, including the big man from Rutgers playing the Big Ten, which was probably, quote unquote, the best conference uh, in the NCAA last year. So I think that, you know, he's going to have some some options. Like I said, there's some choices to make, you know, as far as playing time, because to me, what I've noticed when I noticed last year, especially during the tournament, was that the team settled into their roles when they kind of let Juzang be the guy. Like he wasn't, he didn't have to share being the guy with anybody else. I think he was the scorer. Uh, you know, I think that like what he did was just like, not necessarily put the team on his back, uh, but, it, but in, in a kind of a way he did. And like I said, everybody got behind him and they just locked everybody down on defense. And they were beating teams like like Ben Holland was beating teams like low scoring, not a lot of like high flying this and that, but just straight up hard nose basketball. I was reading an article saying that UCLA is probably the most physical team on the West Coast. And I was like, when's the last time you heard that <laughs> from UCLA? <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since you heard that they was the most physical team on the on the West Coast. So for me, that's good because that means that you're going to be able to go up against a physical, like in the, just saying for the tournament, you play a Michigan State like they did last year and they can beat them. You play a physical team like maybe Gonzaga or a Baylor or whatever, you know, Kentucky, 
uh, who's maybe a little bit more physical team, you can handle it because you, you're physical yourself. They have to handle your physicality. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that talk, talking about Juzang, I think that takes us pretty well into our next segment, uh, which I think we're just going to try to predict or talk about or kind of project who the, the most important player on this team is. And it's, it's kind of a hard discussion to have because we're talking mm-hmm. about how much depth they have and, and mm-hmm. how much experience. Uh, so you'd like to say that uh, like everyone fills that role, everyone's equally important with a team so mm-hmm. spread out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, Travis, is there one guy who stands out to you that you think is the most important player? If he succeeds, the team succeeds, and just kind of how they rely on one guy it's a team effort, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, like I said, I think uh, Johnny Juzang is the guy, you know, and he's mm-hmm. done it in the biggest stage. Uh, everybody else has done their thing, but I think he's done it in the biggest stage where, uh, you know, he was getting 25 to 30 points a game in the tournament, um, which was the first time since, what, Luau Cinder? <laughs> yeah. um, that, yeah. was, that was getting the points that he was getting in the tournament. Yeah, I'm not you, saying you got, you got, you got Lou Alcindor, you got Bill Walton, <laughs> Reggie Miller. And yeah, it was, it was Johnny insane. Juzang. It was, if you look at what he was scoring and to me, uh, and he's, he was doing it. What I respect about him was he was doing it when everybody knows he had to score. Well, no, everybody, that's the whole scouting report is okay. We got to jo- stop Johnny. We got to stop him, you know? And that's what I respect about his game because he did it when everybody knew he was going to do it. Um, it's easy to do it if you're surrounded by five-star players everywhere you go where you can get, you know, you, you never get double teamed, you never anything. But he was getting double teamed, boxing one, everything, you know, still getting his bucket. So I, to me, it is just me. Uh, I think that he's going to be important. Um, so let's establish his role as the guy. And, and like I said, he doesn't have to average 30 points a game or 25 or whatever like he did in the tournament but he has to be the main guy, you know? Yeah. And I think that the weird thing about Johnny last year during the, the regular season is he would have really good scoring games, whether it was against Stanford or I know there were a couple others where he, mm-hmm, he was breaking mm-hmm. 20, 25 and the team was losing. So it was kind of weird. It's well, well you want to give him the green light cause he's such a good score, but what isn't working here? And I think that's one thing that they definitely nailed out during the tournament is how they can get Johnny going and the team winning yes, yes, at the same time. Yes, I, I think that yes. was huge. I, I would huge, say huge. Uh, my my guy that I would say is going to be the, the most important, uh, I, I think is going to be Tiger Campbell because he, he's a guy who is a pure point guard. The mm-hmm. past two years, him being in the starting lineup, started every game for UCLA, coming off a torn ACL that caused him to miss his, his true freshman year. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been one of the best assist to turnover guys in the country. And when you have such a deep team with so much talent on the wings, a- adding big guys like Miles Johnson down low, mm-hmm. you need a distributor who can read yes. the floor, who, who can swing the ball, who can look two passes ahead, who can calm things down. He, he's never going to be a high flyer. He's never going to be a lockdown defender, but he's improved it as, as a defender. It, he's improved as a playmaker and that's starting as a really good playmaker to begin with almost two years ago. Now he's even better. So mm-hmm. he's a guy mm-hmm. that when he's dishing out assists, when he's making the offense work, I mean, it, it, a lot of it relies on him. Johnny's scoring will rely on him. Cody Riley yes. and Miles yeah. Johnson in the post, they're successful rely on him a lot of the time. So I, I think he's really the, the linchpin for things. For yes. 
No, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that he's very important. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how Corona is going to, like I said, establish uh, everybody together, you know, because like I said, I think, you know, practices is probably going to be wars for playing time, and that's going to be the whole season. And there's going to be a lot of competition uh, throughout the season for playing time because Cronin don't care. He'll play whoever. I think that's what I respect about him. Um, he, you know, if you ain't playing defense, you ain't playing, period. It doesn't matter who you are. If you miss an assignment, you, you know, you'll be sitting on the bench and he'll yell at you. And I think kids need that. You know, they need that to where you make a mistake, it has consequences, you know. And uh, it's something that, you know, it's a refreshing situation that UCLA uh, is going through where they have a strong-willed coach that can lead them, you know, and show them how to win. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think uh, another guy who uh, – there's been a lot of talk about him the past few months and someone who's, who Cronin – has really championed these past few weeks talking to the media and he really seems to fit that style that you're talking about is miles Johnson, the transfer mm -hmm. from Rutgers. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Like we were saying earlier, he was big 10 all defensive last year. Uh, he comes over. I think he's in like computer engineering grab program <laughs> at UCLA. He was an intern. It's at, uh, I forget what the company was. It was like, he's a, a crazy smart kid and Cronin seems to really eat that up because According to Cronin, it transfers over to the court as well. He's a he's a rim protector. He he can roll really well on the other end, and he's just a smart guy who who knows the game and knows his teammates. And it really seems like he's someone who can get a lot of minutes, even if he's not starting. If if they just want to go one big man, just put Cody in there. Miles Johnson seems like someone who can really take over on the second unit. Always need you. Always need those kind of guys, linchpin guys. You you'll never win. With, with no linchpin guys. You got to be a guy who's willing to sacrifice his game and say, like, you know what? I'm just going to block shots, run and rebound. Or block shots and run to the basket for layups. You know, you know like, everybody has those kind of, uh, like, linchpin, like you said, linchpin guys to win a championship. Everybody. You, you never win when everybody wanted to be the star. I think, uh, to be honest, like, uh, my sophomore year, we had that problem because we had so much talent. We had basically eight professional players. We had five NBA pros, but Baron Davis, Earl Watson, Matt, Jerome, and Dan all playing the NBA multiple years. Um, it had myself, Billy Knight, a little bit of Rico Hines, a little bit of Ray Young. We all played professional uh, overseas or like NBA almost, you know? So it was so much talent that none of us really kind of knew. We knew Baron and Earl were the best, but I think that uh, everybody else kind of was in this mosh pit of trying to figure out what they what they had to do. But not not with Cronin. Like he gives you a he gives you a, you know like what you are and what you're going to be doing for the team for the team to win, and you can accept it or not or sit next to him. That's what I love about. Him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've seen that in the past, and, and it, like you were saying earlier, it definitely really gets to these guys. They they know his system well, and and they they all seem to fit in it. So that's definitely good for this team and will be good for the result. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe if you, not that you purposely bench guys to lose games, but you're okay with maybe not doing perfectly early just so you can coach these guys up and do better down the stretch when it maybe matters a little bit more. And I think that Cronin is definitely willing to sacrifice things to, to stick to his principles. He's not going to sell out to put, the five best scorers on the court every time he's going to mm -hmm. mm -hmm. do what he thinks is right for 
that moment, even if it makes guys upset, he's going to do what's at right for the end of the season. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what makes him a really dangerous coach that I mean, the other guys in, in the country don't really want to go against. Oh, I understand. The difference between college basketball and say college football is that college basketball, you can schedule whoever you want in the, in the preseason, right? You can schedule like they do on Gonzaga, Villanova, Kentucky, whatever it is. You can schedule these teams and you can lose to these teams. And you could still end up being a one seed and still go to the final four or whatever championship, all that. Whereas football, uh, you might schedule one good team and the rest cupcakes because you need a, a quote unquote better record. You know, I think that for me, like UCLA, nobody thought they would go to the final four, but they played. I could see them getting better and better and better and better. And then, like I said, like they peaked at the right time uh, to get to the final four. For myself, I think that that's what they can be this year. I think they're going to have some lumps, but I also think they're going to win a heck of a lot of games. I think they're going to overwhelm teams. This is just me with their size, their length, their athleticism, and their structure. You know, I think that that's when they're they're going to overwhelm a lot of teams. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got you got guys coming off the bench who, like Jalen Clark. He he's a long guy. He plays tough. He plays mean for a guy who maybe doesn't have the most meat on his bones, but. I mean, he, he pulled down a bunch of rebounds in the tournament last year. That's huge. Peyton Watson's got a crazy long wingspan, probably mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. seven feet. He's an athlete. I mean, we, we can just go down the list again. <laughs> there are a lot of guys on this team who are going to be crazy important. One mm-hmm. night's going to be Juzang. Another night's going to be Campbell. Another night it might be Mac Etienne. Who knows? But this team has talent and a, a lot of it. But no, I, I'd yeah. like to, to build off what you were saying because it – once again, Travis, I mean, this is our first episode and you've already got these transitions down pat. You're bringing up scheduling and that's what we're talking about next. So uh, <laughs> we, we got all these big non-conference games for UCLA this year. Got Gonzaga coming up, UNLV, Villanova, North Carolina, Marquette, a lot of big games. And, and mm-hmm. then the conference schedule too will be entertaining as always. Pac-12 is always a little mm-hmm. nuts. So Travis, I'll, I'll put this on you. What game are you looking forward to the most that you see on the schedule this year? Well, everybody got to say Gonzaga, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that, let's just take that one out because everybody yep. <laughs> wants that one. Everybody wants the revenge. Everybody wants that. I, it's, it can't be Gonzaga, right? That's too easy. Yep. I would say, I would definitely say Villanova uh, because they're, they're, they're greatly coached. They're, just, they're a physical team. Now, they might be little, they're not as big as UCLA, but they're obviously they're a physical team. So I want to see how UCLA matches up with them, uh, you know, Villanova, because dude is a great coach. And they play a certain style that you would have to beat in the tournament, you know, and like a sweet 16 elite eight kind of game. Um, I think that, you know, the North Carolina game will be a high flying because it's going to be a lot of athletes and a lot of talent. But if you want to make, if you force me to narrow it down, Take Gonzaga out because that's obviously the obvious answer, but I want to see them against Villanova. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the same page as you where the Gonzaga game, that that's a that's easy. That's <laughs> by far the best storylines, most talent, crazy, everything going on. It's mm-hmm, in Vegas, mm-hmm, going to be a lot mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm, uh, Villanova mm-hmm. is going to be at Poly. That's going to be fun. It's really the, the marquee home game yes. for, on this non-conference slate. So, I mean, with all the hype coming up, uh, from this past season, Villanova is what the second, third game on the schedule at home. There's that play is going to be packed. I, I, yeah, I honestly yeah. think back to probably the the maybe the Notre Dame game in uh, 2018. I want to say it was when mm-hmm, Chris mm-hmm. Wilkes had that buzzer beater. 
It was like a whiteout in Poly Pavilion. Yeah. That in that environment was crazy. That was a great game. I think that might be top with this Villanova game. So so that's no, huge. Definitely, definitely. I remember the game where they beat uh Kentucky when Kentucky mm-hmm. was number one in the country. Yep. Uh yeah. And like it was packed, it was insane at the game, and they beat them. And like uh I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, it's gonna be something big, you know. But uh I remember that. I remember that was probably like the most memorable game uh since this one coming up, you know. Yeah, definitely. But I there's there's one other I, I wanna really highlight that I, I would say kind of rivals that one for, for a few different reasons. But you brought it up the, the North Carolina game mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I, I think they UCLA, North Carolina played around Thanksgiving and Alford last year, 2018, and just I think it was close to start, but UNC ran away with it. Just yeah, really yeah, mopped the yeah. floor with them. The mm-hmm. year after, Cronin's first year, they're playing, was around December or something, mm-hmm. and it was close down to the wire. Then UNC kind of pulls away late, and just UCLA didn't didn't have what it takes. So I think this this will be a fun one to see how this team has grown over the last few years, from the end of the Alford era to the beginning of the Cronin era to mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. three for Mick. So I think mm-hmm. that'll be really interesting to see just the development of it. And, and also you got North Carolina without Roy Williams. The first yeah. Time yeah. Forever. I was so a, there's I a was lot about, to talk about there. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I remember, uh, like I was saying with North Carolina versus UCLA when they had the previous coach, it was maybe a little bit of a coaching mismatch with Steve Alford, you know, because Roy Williams is a coach here, right? He's one of the top probably 10 college coaches of all time, uh, you know, and our coaches, he was good. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, wasn't as good. I think that now the talent, quote unquote, is even maybe even more UCLA side, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, so it will be interesting to see. I think, like I said, North Carolina will be different. They have a lot of uh, athletes that come in that came in this year. Uh, and they had a lot of athletes that returned from the team last year. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think UCLA wins by like 10, 12. This is me um, because of the discipline and the physicality. But I think it'll be an interesting game just to see how they play against North Carolina. Yeah, I would say UCLA is probably favored to win every game on its schedule outside. Maybe the Gonzaga one, which is a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. with the odds makers or whoever is going to be picking them before. UCLA will be picked in almost every game that they have coming up just because of the momentum, kind of the, the favor that they've built up from, from last spring and the talent they have now. But no, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just a few other notes on the schedule that we're looking at. Uh, Marquette game going to Marquette. Uh, big. They're not really what they used to be. They, they've had <laughs> the peaks and valleys, but it's still Big East game on the road. That should be fun. Tough. Yeah, tough, tough game. Mm-hmm. And, and then – a lot of games in Vegas this year <laughs> at UNLV. You have the, the UNC game and Gonzaga games are in Vegas. I want to say that I think you're playing Bellarmine. I want to say in Las Vegas, mm-hmm, and then you're mm-hmm, going to be mm-hmm. heading back there for the PAC 12 tournament at the end of the year. So I don't know. No, I want to get like a timeshare or something in Vegas. <laughs> I'm telling you, you get a timeshare so you can get, you know, be able to watch all the games in Vegas. I think it's going to be interesting to see this year. Like I said, uh, the UNC one, the Gonzaga one, like you said, the UNLV one. I think the, the the thing is this year what's going to be interesting to see how is UCLA going to be when they are the hunted. Last mm-hmm. year they were mm-hmm. the hunter, right? 
Nobody expected them to do what they did. They went to the final four and now they have this humongous buzz of uh, all this talent. They bring in some great players, great, great transfer. Everybody comes back. So now they're projected this final four team or championship team. So against Marquette on the road, which is tough, playing UNLV on the road, which is tough. You are the season for some of these teams. Um, and like I said, not necessarily for Villanova or Gonzaga or even North Carolina, but you are the, like, if they beat you, they had a great season. So that's a, that's a lot of pressure, you know, and we'll see if they can handle, uh, like I said, the press clippings and everything that's going to go along with being a great team. Yeah. And Travis, I mean, you were with the team a while ago now, but when you were with the team, it wasn't too far removed from the last national championship. It was only a couple of years and you were still mm -hmm. a tournament team when you were there. How mm -hmm. do you kind of deal with being the hunted and knowing that teams, you had a target on your back and teams are going for UCLA. They want to beat UCLA more than anyone else. Yeah. I would say what, what happened with us was that we, my freshman year, we were, you know, had, had the seniors that was on the championship team, uh, Chris Johnson, Toby Bailey, Jared Henderson, you know, they were all on that champ national championship team in 95 as freshmen. Uh, so they kept us all grounded. Uh, and like, I be honest, that the year was a little tumultuous because of what happened during the year. But once we settled in, we calmed down, went to the Sweet 16, lost to the eventual champion, Kentucky Wildcats, 1998. Now, I think what happened my next year was we just had a surplus of talent and really not a direction of where we should have went. I would tell, I would say that this year's, this year's UCLA team, stay grounded, stay focused. Don't read the press clippings of how good you are. Just stay hungry and stay, stay ready to go. I think it's a different kind of coach. So I think with Nick Groening, like, I think he'll keep them hungry, but they got to keep themselves hungry. They got to police themselves as a team to where everybody's held accountable. Uh, not like yelling at somebody like they're your kid or something, uh, but just keeping everybody accountable, keeping everybody as a unit, because you're going to be the villain. You're the villain now. And everybody wants to beat you. So yeah, it, it, it is definitely funny how, how people were reacting last March to UCLA is this crazy underdog Cinderella story that everyone loved. And I mean, that's not how historically it's gone. So, I mean, no. I, I don't think you're getting that again. No, I, I promise you, you will not be <laughs> no Cinderella story now. This year, like I said, you are the season. So you're the season not only to like Marquette and all these other places, you're the season to Oregon, you're the season to Arizona State, you're the season to Arizona, you know, like all these schools, Cal, Stanford, like if they beat you, they're storming the court, you know, because we beat the mighty UCLA Bruins, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. And they got to be ready for that up to the challenge. Yeah, definitely. And there will be plenty to talk about all season long. Travis and I will be here to break it all down. And we'll be talking UCLA football, too, once we get that up and running. But for now, I mean, it's hard not to focus on this UCLA men's basketball team. There's a lot to look forward to, a lot to talk about. And check back in here all season on the Believe Podcast Network. And we'll be here to break it all down for you. So, Travis, thanks so much for, uh, for helping me host this first episode of Believe in UCLA. Appreciate it. Uh, first of many. First of many. I appreciate it, Sam. I appreciate it. Of course. So, uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe and everything, share the podcast. Thanks for so much for listening and we'll be back soon. Yes, we will. Uh -huh.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.